Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck. I am your host, Matt Schlichting. We are joined, as always, by Brian Hemminger. Brian, it's been a little while. Yeah, uh, you know, it's been a, an entire non-existent minor league season while. So we either have a lot to talk about or nothing to talk about. <laughs> and even that is something about which we should talk. So what is going on in the minor league baseball world these days? Well, a lot has happened. Obviously, they did not have a 2020 minor league season because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, other than that, they had the whole taxi squad thing going on with all the extra players invited to like a secondary big league camp in 2020. There was a fall instructional league that you can kind of get a little information from. And then I think most importantly was they trimmed down some of the minor league teams Um so the Indians lost their low A affiliate, Mahoning Valley, and uh, they pushed back the, the MLB draft a whole extra month. And like Mahoning Valley and some of those teams that got lost are now going to be part of like a instructional league for, you know, college players and people that want to be drafted. So there's a lot going on. And then obviously we're in the middle of our prospect countdown on Let's Go Tribe. So it's it's an exciting time. It's it's one of my favorite times of the year, honestly, on the website. Yes. And I still think that the prospect countdown is like my favorite feature that we do just because it's these are guys that sort of everyone is aware of on some level. And it's the one time of year where we have a dedicated space and time to really hash out everything we've heard about these guys. And I feel like it's more necessary this year than any other year because as someone who podcasts about minor league baseball in his spare time, I have felt that there has been a lack of news and or content regarding the status of the minor leagues, given that it essentially did not exist for a full calendar year. Uh, and now it's going to be returning smaller with some serious modifications. And on top of all of it, I have in the back of my head that it felt like we were finally starting to make some progress on paying minor leaguers something slightly above a slave wage and who knows where that gets picked up after everything that has happened at this point. Uh, so very exciting time to be discussing prospects again, a very interesting and uncertain time for those prospects, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, the timing was awful for Cleveland's minor league system because they have such a young uh, core of top prospects that kind of needed that year of development that so this is part of like so. their critical development window that was robbed yeah. of them so thankfully cleveland thought enough of these guys to invite a significant majority of them to the taxi squad so they got to get some experience you know guys like george valera and uh i think aaron brocco and uh rocchio and a lot of those guys got invited to that taxi squad and got to face off against, you know, rehabbing Indians pitchers, rehabbing all kinds of people. So, uh, and some of the top pitching prospects in the system. So it, it was kind of an iron sharpens iron situation going on, which I think can be good. It just sort of depends on how it all shakes out, I suppose, at the end. But it will be interesting to hear I wonder if some of these guys are actually going to have have had a little bit of a boost in their development because they had more focused training on the taxi squad, perhaps, especially guys that might have been in Lynchburg and were now in Lake County instead. I don't, I, 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 it'll be really ear in. <clears throat> it will be really interesting to hear some more news from these guys. And it sounds like you have heard some information about this as well. Yeah, like I. I read that they thought that George Valera got a ton of really important experience because that's the best news I've heard in months <laughs> <laughs> because he had, you know, only got a couple at bats in the Arizona rookie league before breaking his hamate back in 2018. And then in 2019, he got a half season worth a short season's worth of uh, at bats at um, Mahoning Valley. And then very briefly in Lake County. So 
<laughs> I instead, feel like yeah, yeah. So he so he got to spend the whole taxi squad time just pit batting against you know Daniel Espino and Ethan Hankins and uh, all of the like Scott Mosses and Eli Morgans and all of the guys that we had at AAA and so he it feels I I think that he's going to take a huge leap this year, but we'll find out. I'm excited to find out because it just occurred to me. I don't know that I have ever been this interested in and excited about a baseball player whom I have never seen play baseball. <laughs> All I know of him is glowing scouting reports and the occasional uh, Indians perspective tweet where he just mashes a baseball six miles. He he has the best uh, bat flip in Cleveland's minor league system, by the way. Like when he hit a no doubter, it's a thing of beauty, not the swing, which is great, not the ball flying off the bat, what he does after. <laughs> like there's the stare, the flip, like just so nonchalant. It's gorgeous. The first home run he ever hit as a minor leaguer was a beautiful bat flip. <laughs> you so know how this guy's, this guy's going to bring some attitude. You know how Jan Gomes would stare a dude down after he threw him out? Mm-hmm. Just pull the mask up and like. Sergio Leone Western style man with no name, just stare him down with that beautiful chin. It's that level of swagger, but it's even cooler because it's like a 19 year old kid who's just turning on a fastball like he was born to do it. And there it goes. It has evaporated and is now I just slip into hyperbole and absurd metaphor when I talk about him because I'm that stoked. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's almost a guarantee that he's going to be a top 100 prospect in all the baseball for like MLB pipeline and stuff at some point this year. And I think the Indian Indian staff is going to test him against some pretty high level teams. Like so far, the longest he's had is a couple games at full season, single a. And I mean, he could be starting this year at high a, he could be starting the year at double a. It just really depends what uh, the, the tribe brass kind of thinks of him, but you know, there's there's a lot of things to be excited about with the system, mainly because they have bolstered it so significantly with uh, a plethora of really good draft picks, um, and then some really good international signings, obviously that we're talking about. But then they have added so many top guys from trades. I mean, you've got the Clevenger trade, you've got the Bauer trade from before. You've got uh, the Lindor trade that we just had, which sucks, but they did add several, you know, really interesting pieces. So there's so much more going on right now in Cleveland system. It's a really exciting time. And we've talked about it before on Indians on deck, but I feel like we're finally hitting the tipping point where we go from this system with a bunch of really talented young guys who everyone is sort of saying, yeah, he could be 50, 55 future value, but he's in single A. So we can't really count on it yet. And now these guys are starting to hit double A single, like full season single A, where everybody's getting a better look at them. They can start to raise their profile. I think I recall you saying that you would be surprised if we're not in the top five for systems relatively here soon. I don't think I'm putting words in your mouth, but I don't no, no, like not. I recall you saying it. And I've seen a few different uh, rankings of systems and we're in the top 10 in all of them. Yeah. So, and I think that once these guys actually get to go on the field, because and that's just projection, like they haven't actually seen what these guys are producing. Um, once these guys hit the field, I think we're going to be higher than that. Yeah, the, the only thing we're missing right now is that like top 10 prospect that everybody gets like crazy hype about. Like it seems like every other system has that top guy and we have a whole bunch of guys that are ranked like 50 and lower. <laughs> a whole bunch though. And we have a whole bunch that are just outside the top 100 right now. We cheat the system, though, because what we do is we skip all those top, you know, 10, top 20 overall guys. And we just find some kid who, like, majored in architecture at a Pac-10 school who throws 90 and doesn't walk anybody. And we turn him into Shane Bieber, basically. Exactly. Shane Bieber was Shane Bieber, Zach Playsack, Aaron Savelli. None of them were ever high in Cleveland's prospect. I don't, on I don't any, think Savali or Plesak were ever prospects. 
period. Like, I only yeah. knew about them because we would sit here and stare at their numbers and complain. Like, why is nobody talking about what these kids are doing? This is absurd. So, well, a big part of it was they, they they could kind of move through the system really fast, and by the time that they had their good breakout season, I mean they were getting called up. So, so I mean that's that's part of it is they just they develop them so quick, especially the college pitchers. Like they really know how to develop those guys. Like they just that's something else is there are a plethora of guys in that same mold that are right on the cusp, and we just don't even know about them yet, hardly. So. That's something you also have to consider. Like that's why they were okay training Carrasco as much as it pains me to say it, um, because they have so much coming up right now. This is an aside that has nothing to do with prospects, but it just how I remember sitting and thinking like we could be looking at a rotation of Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, Clevenger, Salazar for like ten years. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> yeah, none of them are there. One now. of them flamed out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's wild. It really is. And hopefully they can make the best of a lot of these really good uh, prospects that they've acquired. Um, You know, we know how good that they can develop pitching prospects. Now it's time to see some of these uh, position player prospects uh, blossom because they need it bad. And they don't even need to get like great at developing position players. We just need to be average like if Nolan Jones comes up and is halfway to his ceiling, like I'll take that. Good God. That's more than we've gotten from any of the other guys lately who weren't named Jose Ramirez. Yeah, exactly. Like we we've had our hits, but uh, they are few and far between and they just have not been happening, especially in the outfield lately. Like we've got several opportunities to hit in the outfield right now. It's just, we need them to hit. <laughs> we need one to finally hit. So I think that's a pretty good overview of where things stand now. Uh, what's happened in the Indian system, sort of how they've been navigating it and what they've been up to. Um, we now return to our semi-regularly scheduled segment. What happened to Brady Aiken? Well, the last I heard that he was taking a break from baseball and then he was doing some work at driveline. And I mean, he hasn't pitched in a couple years. And the one time he did pitch, he made two appearances and walked like seven guys. Um, So, I mean, I'm just pretty much writing him off. And if we, for some reason, get anything out of Aiken at this point, it's a massive bonus because yeah, just that did not work. This has been another edition of what happened to Brady Aiken. So moving right along, we can start talking about the wonderful let's go tribe top prospects countdown for 2021. Brian, I think of this as um, your child. Like this is this is this is your version of the child, and you are the Mandalorian who shepherds it through an unsafe world to a beautiful final destination. So thank you for doing that every year. This is the way. I, I can't take all the credit for it. Andrew Kinsman did a great job with it before me, but that inspired me to really you know hone in and make it happen aggressively. And and uh, it's it's always one of my favorite things. Like I always. Tr- I'm always surprised by how informed uh, our readers are. Like they, they really do make some impressive decisions and the things where they are ahead of the curve. I've noticed where they pick a guy that's they put in their top five that nobody else has in the top five. It usually works out. Like you remember they had Shane Bieber as like our number three or number four guy when nobody had him in our like top 10. Boom. I think a couple other places sort of on our, I don't know, prestige level in the blogosphere, we're sort of talking in the same way, but I didn't never really see anything. I I maybe saw one piece from fan graphs where they were like, by the way, Shane Bieber striking out 27 (laughs) for every guy he walks in case you missed it. And that was like right when he was about to debut. So even that, I mean, we had people excited about him. I think the year before that, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. And and they nailed Clevenger. You know, they had him as like our number two or number three guy when he was a nobody in our system. Um, you know, Yandy Diaz has had uh, you know some success in the majors and they had him really high. We'll see if they got uh, Daniel Johnson right last year. So I mean, oh, you know, good point. We'll find out. 
but they had him number four last year. He dropped down about eight spots this year, but that doesn't mean that they made a mistake. It just means, uh, you know, the cup of coffee didn't go so hot last year, but that was, I'm not going to kill a prospect over 13 major league at bats either. And if, if a normal, so a normal trip, your first time to the majors where you get, usually it's during uh, roster expansion. You get a, you get a couple of hacks at the plate. You get your cup of coffee. So if the normal way they do it is a cup of coffee, then what DJ got was like, he rolled into Starbucks and like the first thing that happened is that somebody spilled coffee on him as they were trying to exit. So then he has to clean up and he goes and just tries to order a regular coffee, but he says, could I get a medium? And uh, the lady at the, cashier's stand is like uh, you mean a grande honey so he's already like okay what even is happening and then they don't even make it and he's standing there for eight minutes waiting for this cup of coffee while like eight groups of teenage girls get their mocha chip frappuccinos and poor dj is just sitting here glove and bat ready and they finally send him out there to like a cold latte he didn't even want but he was just so pissed and he wanted to be caffeinated brian yeah he didn't get a cup of coffee he got like a shot of espresso and they they let it sit for more than 10 seconds before adding milk or sugar which is a crime oh that's painful it's (laughs) it is a we may have to edit that out of the podcast because i know it's a sensitive topic for coffee lovers such as myself i apologize i liked it (laughs) it stays um so let's get down to the countdown okay well uh we're three quarters of the way through it at this point and there aren't a ton of surprises um i think the only thing that i've noticed is a couple of the newer acquisitions that people aren't familiar with are not being rated quite as highly and that's understandable just the, the readers don't know these guys. They haven't seen them. We haven't talked about them a ton. So uh, I'm fine with that. And they're still getting a little bit of love now. We've had, let's see, uh, one, two, three, I think three players so far that have never been in the top prospect rankings. And they're in the uh, top 14 or top 15. So not bad. And I think we've got an, at least one or two more that may make it. So, uh, it's, it's an exciting time and I, uh, let, let's, let's talk right from the beginning. Um, I, I think number one was not a huge surprise. Nolan Jones, you know, he was number one last year. Um, he is right on the cusp of making his major league debut. He, you know, was in double a and performed admirably there in a half of a season in double a in 2019. So he had the whole 2020 season to work in the taxi squad, which would have been his kind of maybe start in double a finish in triple a season. So you kind of treat this like he's starting the year in triple a, I would assume. Uh, and he's ready. Like he's depending on how good, how much work he's been putting in, in the outfield and how good he looks out there. I mean, I would be ecstatic to have his, uh, both his bat and his ability to get on base on this offense. It is an intoxicating mix of patience and power. And I'm frustrated that he's going to spend the first two weeks of the season working on his pickoff move in Columbus, no matter what happens. Um, but we should see him soon. And who knows what happens with the Indians this year. But to me, it actually looks like not only the most exciting prospect storyline, but maybe the most interesting thing happening on, happening on the team overall this year is what are we getting in Nolan Jones? Yeah. I mean, it just, you feel for the guy a little bit. He's been working his butt off his whole minor league career, like focusing so hard to improve his defense because so many people were uh, doubting his defense. And when I interviewed him, uh, right before his uh, futures game last year, uh, two years ago, he was so excited that I asked about that because I I read that that's just something he invests so much of his uh, time, and now basically that all gets put on the side and go go practice outfield. We've got you know one of the best players in baseball at third base. Yeah, so well, you like the determination and drive mm-hmm. to to prove himself 
you know, wherever he happened to be, which was at third. So hopefully, and I, from your interview with him and other things that I've read about him, I don't doubt that he's been taking to the outfield with the same chutzpah. Um, I just want to watch him play baseball. <laughs> and I think that there's an extremely good chance that we see him within the first two months of the season, uh, especially if our outfield struggles and Brian, you know, it should, it probably will struggle knowing our outfield. Brian, do you know what the comments are going to look like if Nolan Jones is still in Columbus in May? Oh, it's going to be bad. I mean, I remember, I remember how bad it got when Bobby Bradley was hitting like two home runs every game for like this two week stretch in 2018 and they just would not call him up. And then they finally called him up like, but it was, it was a, a intense. It was intense. So I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, this was a guy that was drafted quite a while ago. And what's crazy is he was in the same draft class as Shane Bieber, Aaron Savali, Zach Playsack. He was actually the the the, the center stone of that the or one of them. He was the second round pick in that draft, but had what? first round grade. What's the record for most Hall of Famers taken by a team in one draft? I don't know, but, uh, you know, we've got a pretty good chance to get, you know, maybe one <laughs> at least. I, out I'll of take one, half so. a one. <laughs> <laughs> so he was our unsurprising number one choice. And then our number two choice, probably also one that makes a lot of sense to folks, was the Twigs himself, Tristan McKenzie. See Professor Twigs, Doctor Twigs. Uh, it's it's Doctor Sticks actually. Doctor Stick. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna. So I they, they call I him. So well, dumb. don't Twigs? No, Twigs works. Twigs works. He looks like a twig too. So <laughs> and, I should uh, know it's Doctor Sticks. I host a prospect <laughs> podcast, Brian. What am I doing with my life? So Doctor Sticks, who no one has ever referred to as Senor Twigs, uh, pitcher for. The Cleveland Indians, a fine starting pitcher. He throws right-handed. I believe that he has uh, several pitches, which Brian is now going to explain to you. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, the the number one pitch for McKenzie is his fastball. And it has um, life. It has life. And he throws it with deception because he has he's six foot six and he kind of almost leaps towards the plate. So these guys are not getting a chance to see it very as long as maybe an, a traditional pitcher. He hides it well, um, and then it just explodes past him. Even even when it was not thrown at ninety seven miles an hour, like in his MLB debut, it still is a pitch that people have trouble picking up on. So I mean, by far, in my opinion, the number, his number one pitch is his fastball, but uh, his curveball is lethal too. Um, oh yeah, it is a devastating curve, and if he tunnels it properly with his fastball, it is also extremely hard to hit. And he added a slider. That's something that he had never shown before in the minors, and that's something he must have been working on during his time off. And he was throwing that slider very effectively last year, and then he still has a developing changeup, which could be plus. It's something that you know when people are trying to sit on that fastball, and if he can throw a good changeup. I mean, that's going to be devastating. So he is somebody to be really excited about. I mean, people were giving up on him. Like in a lot of prospect rankings, he dropped out of the top 100 because of his injury concerns after the 2018 and 2019 seasons. And he tanked into like number like 12 or 13 on MLB Pipeline. And then he goes after not pitching <laughs> in a year and a half. And debut, makes his major league debut. Everyone's for, for like, Cleveland. Is, is Tristan McKenzie still good? We don't know. Yeah. And then. And he strikes out 10, <laughs> gives up one run, one walk in six innings. Welcome back, indeed. It was, yeah, it was the second best uh, strikeout performance by a Cleveland pitcher in history in their major league debut. So, yeah, that, that immediately uh, got his 
got him back on all the rankings. And that's why he's number two in ours. He's like number two or number three on MLB pipeline. He's right up there near the top. He's back on the top 100 on all the rankings. So, you know, people are believers again, but, uh, and it wasn't just that start, you know, he had several really good starts. Um, you know, there were a couple concerns, I guess, about him dropping velocity throughout the season as this season wore on, but hopefully that's not a sign of things to come, but, I think, you know, as he gets a little bit more mature, um, that's going to be less of a problem. But it's something to at least keep an eye on moving forward. Um, Is this going to be, is he going to be able to eat a lot of innings this year? Are they going to have to, you know, uh, use the baby gloves with him? So, but he has already cemented himself a a rotation spot as long as he's healthy. And I, I love the 10 strikeout game. One, because it was awesome. But two... Louis Tiant is the record holder. And the more we sort of talk about McKenzie and everything, the more I kind of like him as like a modern analog of Tiant in some ways, because he's sort of a, an athletic um, springy right-hander on the mind on the mound. And he doesn't do the full back turn or anything, but he's got that deceptive delivery, a fastball with some late life and the ability to mix in other stuff with plus stuff other stuff with plus stuff, Brian, it's, it, it it seems like kind of a cool comparison and you know, that wouldn't be a bad path for him to follow. I'd take that. Exactly. And, and this is a guy, this is what we drafted was, this was the potential that we drafted. And this was what people were hyped about when he was in the top of a lot of the prospect rankings. And it's just great to see that come to fruition. And hopefully it's, he's able to stick around and have a really successful career, but He's off to a really good start. And that brings us to our number three prospect so far in the voting this year, Tyler Freeman. And we consider him a pure second base prospect at this point, or is there any chatter that he might be able to stick it short? Everything I'm hearing is he can stay it short. Um, His arm, his arm has been, has been good. I mean, honestly, the only thing that would keep him uh, from moving uh, off or that would force him off of shortstop is if we have some absolute stud at shortstop that we don't want to move. Um, and he's one of our guys that's probably going to be the closest to making it to the pros. We've got a few others that are probably going to be in that triple a double a range, but I mean, Freeman ended 2019 batting over 300 in high a. So he spent just as much time in high A that season as he did in uh, single A Lake County. And he arguably hit even better in high A than he did in single A. So, you know, this is a kid that is, his bat is, is good. Like it's re- he's ready. He can, he can make, he can spray contact to all fields. Um, and the thing that I think is most exciting was the biggest knock on his game, maybe other than perhaps that he's, uh, a little aggressive and uh, hit happy, not taking walks. But the biggest knock on his game was a lack of power. And from all the reports I was reading of his time in uh, the spring, his time in the taxi squad was he was jacking home runs, a lot of them. So if he's added some strength and added some a little loft to his swing and is actually knocking him out of the park, he is going to skyrocket. I mean, he's already our number three prospect, but he's going to be getting some attention in all the, you know, top 100 lists. Like people are going to be like, watch out for this guy. A middle infielder with a good glove who hits a lot of doubles in the minor leagues. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) this is the formula for like, maybe there's something about this type of player that the Indians just intuitively get how to develop in guys like Lindor and Ramirez and possibly now Tyler Freeman and hopefully Aaron Bracco. And maybe the play is that they have this code cracked. So they're just going to keep developing these guys and then breaking our hearts when they trade them. But if that's how you, if that's how you find the outfielders that for some reason you can't elsewhere, then I don't know if we win a couple world series, we keep trading hometown heroes. I feel like I could live with that. I like hardware. Yeah. yeah hardware is good. And we have a lot of middle infield prospects, a lot by far the, the biggest majority of our top prospects in the system 
our middle infield prospects. So that that's who we target in our international signings. It's who we've been targeting in the MLB draft, and it's who we've been targeting in trades. <laughs> I mean, it's it's wild. We, but that's that's been the the centerpiece was middle infield, middle infield, middle infield, and uh, it it kind of sucks that this is the first year we're not having. Uh, that extra level of development because we need another team to stash these guys. I don't know what they're going to do. Like a lot of them are going to have to be playing shortstop, uh, second base and third base and maybe DHing. Like, because I don't know what they're going to do with all these middle infield prospects that we have, but uh, they're, they're running out of room with how many they have at this point. Well, that's the other thought I guess, is that some people are suggesting that maybe the Indians think it's, possible to take an athletic infielder and teach them the outfield and that that might be a better way to uh develop a guy out there uh cheaply it's possible it's possible cheap isn't the right word but less resource intensive than a high you know big power bat prototypical barry bonds or fran mill reyes type outfielders i guess yeah and it makes sense if it works, maybe they've cracked the code on something. Like it's something that we're not going to know how it pays out for a few years yet. But at this point, they just have so many middle infielders. Like they have to move some of them. Uh, but shortstop is the toughest position to play on the field other than catcher. So if they have all these guys that are able to play the toughest position, that are athletic, that are fast, that have quick hands, maybe they're seeing something that all these other teams aren't seeing right now. So no, you know maybe what's happening, it does pay Brian. off. The Indians money, getting, money ball too. They're getting ready to deploy um, a super shift where it's just short stops. So there's just eight guys. You even pull the catcher for another short stop. So there's just eight guys between third and second. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm just, I'm picturing like a wall, like in soccer. <laughs> I would just like to see, like, imagine Joey Votto, Joey Votto or someone comes up to the plate and just stares at that and then just points at right field like, I'm not even right-handed. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Try to hit it over us, brah. Try it. Anyway, our number four prospect is George Valera. Yeah, and we've talked about George quite a bit already, but yep. this is somebody that is... I'll talk about him some more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, he has one of the prettiest swings in the entire system. People keep comparing it to Robinson Cano. Hopefully he's able to be Robinson Cano without all the steroids, but um, it's, it's definitely the pure outfield prospect that people are the most excited for by far. Um, We have several other pretty good prospects for outfield in the system, but this is a guy that we brought from the beginning as an outfielder and he's also one of our best hitters, very advanced for his age. Just somebody to be extremely excited about. Like this might be Manny Ramirez again. I am just staring at the picture that you used for the article in the countdown and just look at his forearms and remind yourself that he's 20 years old. Like I don't I just turned 20. I feel a little bit weird fetishizing the raw strength of another human being like that. But it's simply awe-inspiring, and the fact that he is still going to continue to grow and add strength and swing the bat somehow even harder than he already is. I just want to see him play baseball. During his time in Mahoning Valley, what's crazy is, contact-wise, he underperformed. That was his age 18 season, and he was at the time that he was called up to full-season single-A, He was one of the league leaders in home runs. Um, He had a a really good walk rate. I think he had 29 walks in 46 games as as an 18-year-old. So his on-base percentage was actually 120 points higher than his batting average. So uh, Heaven help the AL Central pitchers. Hopefully, hopefully. I'm... I can't wait to see what he can do, and especially with a full season. Like, he's still never – like, his Major League debut was six games in uh, the Arizona Rookie League. And, you know, he went – he had six RBIs, three walks, a home run, a double, and then he broke his handmate. So we, we, his entire minor league career so far is 58 games. So 
I know that we're heaping so much praise on somebody that is so untested, but but the glimpses you yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm just hoping and praying that he stays healthy because he is an absolute beast and he has the potential to be a cornerstone for the future, a major cornerstone. So before we officially become the George Valera cast, our number five prospect, another guy that whose praises we have been singing for some time on this podcast, Bo Naylor. I love Bo Naylor and I know you love Bo Naylor. You've written yes. several articles about this young man. Um, and he is somebody that absolutely deserves to be uh, hyped up right now. He is uh, our top catching prospect. His older brother's already on the Indians. Uh, he arrived in the Clevenger trade, Josh Naylor, um, a, a pretty good hitter as well. Um, and Bo is, I would say, the better athlete of the two, um, a better pure hitter of the two. Um, maybe not quite the same power, but uh, the fact that he had the 10-10-10 season in his, after skipping low A, going straight to full season baseball as an 18-year-old um, in the year after the Indians drafted him, and that he was able to get double digits, home runs, triples, and doubles, and stole some bases as a catcher, you know, you know, you're just kind of frothing at the mouth knowing that if the defense is able to keep up with what he's putting out right now this young, uh, that this is somebody that, you know, you don't have to worry about replacing Roberto Perez because this is the guy. And the way you shared an article on MLB.com where he sort of is talking about viewing himself through the lens of a scout. Oh, yeah, scouting ways. himself, yeah. And that was that was Matt L, by the way. So. Oh, well, it is a very excellent read. And the way that he describes the changes, not changes, but things he needs to work on is he's talking about using the tools and resources that I have all around me to help me get to the next level. It just going to the weight room, talking to the coaching staff. Those are the sort of things he's bringing up. And th- like, that's the kind of player that I want to have as a catcher calling games. You know, he's very self-aware as well. And I think that that's important. You know, you don't have somebody that just thinks they're the bees knees and aren't gonna, uh, you know, put in the work. And it seems like, you know, this is a really good combination of attitude, talent, and hard work. Exactly. Like, I feel like cerebral is sort of reserved exclusively for Greg Maddox, but I get a sense of that from him in the way he processes the game. Yeah, I'm right with you. Yeah, no, no, it it absolutely does. And if he is able to command a pitching staff, like if he approaches that the same way that he's approaching everything else, then the future is really bright for him. So he is our boy, I think it's fair to say. Uh, our number six prospect is Brian Rocchio this year, another middle infielder. Yep. Same international signing class that George Valera was in. Uh, Rocchio actually has been able to play and stay healthy. Um, and I think what's most exciting about Rocchio is he has been able to produce at every level. Um, he's been healthy and produced. And I think what's wild was he was not given that initial jump where Valera started in the Arizona rookie league, uh, despite, you know, coming out of, uh, the, the Dominican and area we have, uh, Rocchio who came out of Venezuela and they'd start him right in the DSL. He tears up the DSL. They promote him to the AZL midway through, and he does even better in the AZL and multiple scouts say he was the best player they saw. He's a guy who's good enough to play shortstop, and he has opposite field home run power as a and, as a switch basically. and a switch hitter and a switch hitter. What else so, do you want? And how yeah. is he number six? <laughs> yeah. So, and then he had a pretty good season, not amazing, but still, uh, as age eighteen season in Mahoning Valley, low A, he had a, a positive WRC. Um, increased his uh, several of his stats, like the walk rate, his patience at the plate. Uh, he just, I think he was hurt a little bit by a poor uh, bat hip. So, you know, you can't even hold that against him. Bip's so, going to bat. Yeah. yeah. And this is a guy that has, 
not like that same Valera swagger with cranking home runs, but uh, if you watched or you looked at that article, you know, he blasted one in spring training off of Zach Gallon, you know, one of the best pitchers uh, on the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. He just he just strokes it. I'm actually just sitting here watching it on loop. It's a no doubter to the opposite field. And, and he still has a lot of strength to add. This is a kid that is very wiry right now. So um, I think he's still 19 years old. So it, someone to be exceptionally excited about. Um, and the future is very bright for him. I mean, they, they call him the professor because he's so uh, advanced for his age. And um, I think that that's uh, something that you'll really, I mean, he's, he's a no doubter for me, major league, no doubter. Um, it, it, it would just be depends. shocking if he doesn't it, make yeah. it in some way. It's just, it just depends yeah, when it happens and if it happens with Cleveland. Yeah. He might have the highest floor of anybody at that level of the system right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, he has too many, too many really good tools. So I can't wait to see what happens with him this year because he still hasn't played at the full season level. But I mean, they keep inviting him to spring training. Last, <laughs> yeah, it's a really good the, sign. <laughs> the last two years, he was in spring training, getting reps with the big league club as a teenager, and he performed at both times. So this is definitely somebody that should be very high on everybody's radar. You mentioned he has too many good tools, and speaking of tools. Daniel Espino is our number seven prospect. Poor Daniel he has, Espino. He has he has quite the tool in his fastball. Oh, okay. That yeah. Oh, I don't know. Jesus, you're right. No, I wasn't calling him a tool. Oh no, <laughs> I was complimenting his you're fastball. Like, speaking of tools, no. Daniel oh my Espino. god, no. I'm playing that over in my head right now, and I just sounded like the most savage asshole imaginable. I am so sorry, I'm just Daniel. Like, what did Daniel oh, do to no. you, man? Oh, did no. he steal your girl? Like what happened? <laughs> Our number seven Cleveland Indians prospect is Daniel Espino, a fine young man. Tell me more about this gent. Okay, uh, Daniel Espino has the best fastball in the Indian system. I would say uh, it touches a hundred miles an hour with life. Um, he has a devastating slider. I mean, he the Indians it at least so far have not had much to show from the 2019 draft, but Espino looks legit, extremely legit. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but when Cleveland drafts a high school player, you know, they go straight to the AZL and then they stay there. That's been their MO for the past decade, but there's been one time where that didn't happen, where they drafted a high school player and maybe they started in the AZL, but they got promoted to to low A. Yeah, uh, they didn't spend a lot of time there. And that was Francisco Lindor. And they've done it one other time since, and it was Daniel Espino in 2019. He mowed down hitters in the Arizona Rookie League. Uh, it was He made it look too easy, and they promoted him. And so he got to play at that level at – age I he was one of the younger players in the the league I think he was probably his age, age 18 uh right out of high school and then this year or last year they invited him to the taxi squad as a 19 year old so he he got a ton of experience against some pretty high level minor league position players batting and it speaks to their confidence in him that they felt comfortable throwing him in, him into that environment against those guys uh mm-hmm. you referred to his strikeout rate as alarming and mm-hmm. i'm wondering where that sits on the 20 to 80 scale is that like a 75 alarming I mean, strikeout se- stuff <laughs> it's up there i don't know i don't want to go out saying this guy's like the next big thing but he's he's definitely got a really good chance to be a top of the rotation starter yeah um he, he has that kind of stuff like we've had so many good uh, pitching prospects come in and are throwing like mid nineties with elite control and good movement. This is a guy that could come in with, you know, a hundred miles an hour with that same kind of MO. So it's, it's just that extra oomph that makes people really, really excited about a player. So he still hasn't played at full season level yet, but with that experience in the taxi squad this past season and 
all the work that uh, that he's been putting in, I expect him to easily debut in at least regular single A, if not, I mean, I would think even high A. Uh, just based on the last year's worth of experience, they would hopefully view that as maybe it was like a regular single A season. So uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that they you know put a rocket to him because he's got a really good chance to be not just a really young hype prospect to be hyped about, but somebody that could come up quick. That I mean, he just has some tools that just scream right now with uh, the fastball, with the slider. Um, and if he adds a third pitch, watch out. What I'm hearing you say is that he is the next Bob Gibson. May I quote you on that? Why? No. no. <laughs> okay. Damn. To, I, I, I've learned my lesson with 10 step. So yeah, uh, you just, you got to be careful with pitching prospects, but I mean, this guy was the high school pitcher. People were most excited about in the 2019 draft. He fell to the Indians. They took him and it looks like it's paid off so far. Yeah. And even if his, with his fastball, if he can keep it anywhere near the strike zone, even if his other stuff doesn't come along, I feel like he should be able to one, find a second pitch Two, maybe he just goes and throws it by people for 40 innings a year somewhere, you know, that, he, that his arm already seems that promising at such a young age is alarming in a very good way. Like you said, yeah, worst, worst case scenario. This is a guy that comes out of the bullpen and blows people away with a hundred mile an hour gas, but best case scenario, this is a top of the rotation starter. Our next prospect. And I am embarrassed to say, I have not yet heard his name pronounced. So I'm just going to go for it. Our number eight Cleveland Indians prospect is Gabriel Arias. That's not bad. I, I think it's Arias, but I mean, I could be off too. Uh, uh, Rias was the top return in the Mike Clevenger trade. You know, this was a kid that was an international signing by the Padres and was aggressively promoted through their system. And I think he bashed 17 home runs in his full season debut. So is that good? That's really good, <laughs> especially, especially for how young he is. So uh, this is definitely a, uh, a very, very exciting player. I mean, he's not even 21 yet, and he's probably going to start the year at double A. Yeah, he's a guy that we're not really that familiar with because he has not been here for that long. And we're already with all of these guys at the various stages of the system that we're excited about. We don't know him that well, and he's already number eight. And he was higher than eight in a really stacked Padre system. So... That, that also speaks volumes about what other people were thinking of him. This is He's only eight in, according to Let's Go Tribe readers. He could be higher. But yeah, there's still a lot to... There, there are a few flaws with his game, too, that we just need to pay attention to. Uh, he's a free swinger. He does not walk very much. Um, I read that the coaches in the San Diego system were really working with him on pitch recognition. Like They spent a ton of time with him in, uh, before last season. And hopefully that's paying off. Uh, we'll, we'll find out because he hasn't really had a chance to test those skills since they've been worked on. But this is going to be a big year for him to, to see where he stands in Cleveland system because uh, I'm excited to see where they decide to start him, What if he's going to play shortstop. I mean, he definitely has the ability to play shortstop. He's very good defensively. But uh, he's that mold of middle infielder with pop. So... He could play anywhere, which could be testing that theory of what are the Indians going to do with all these middle infield prospects. Um, this could be a guy that could move to another position if he can hit because uh, the bat can play right now. It's just can he uh, keep up as he starts facing tougher and tougher uh, pitching that interestingly brings us to our number nine guy who, speaking of all these middle infielders who might move, here is one who I'm pretty sure will not. Uh, you pointed out once again that out of all the guys in the 2017 signing class internationally, guys like Valera and Rocchio, it was Aaron Bracco who got the largest of those signing bonuses. He deserved it. I mean, he is a masher. Um, and... 
I think the thing that I'm most excited about is that he didn't miss a beat in his 2019 season because kind of like in 2018 with Valera, uh, Valera got to play six games and then missed the rest of the season with an injury. Braca was also expected to debut in the AZL in 2018, and he missed the entire season with an arm injury. So there was just it was just a lost season for him. It was supposed to be his debut year at 17 years old. Instead, at 18, he debuts again in the Arizona Rookie League and just torches it, just torches it. Um, they moved him to second base. And right now, MLB Pipeline has him listed as like either the number five or number six second base prospect in all of baseball. Um, you know, this is a young man that can absolutely mash. Uh, there aren't a lot of really good hitting second baseman with power. And that's where they've moved him. That's where he's staying for now. And I don't think, as you mentioned, he's not going anywhere. So this is in my opinion, the second baseman of the future in Cleveland. And it's, he's somebody that made up for all of his lost time in 2019. He, he got a promotion to, to low a Mahoning Valley. And I believe they also invited him to the uh, taxi squad last year. So as a 19 year old, so really, really, really exciting young prospect. And I think that the future is very bright for him. Again, another small sample size player who's only had one professional season, but uh, he definitely will be making his full season debut this year. I'm interested to see where they place him. I'm hoping that they kind of have, you know, Bracco and Rocchio and Valera all on the same team. Like, I just want to see what those kids are going to do together. It would be a lot of fun to have another young core like that. Uh, Ethan Hankins rounds out our top 10 this year as voted for by Let's Go Tribe members. You can join by going to letsgotribe.com. Yeah, every uh, Monday through Saturday uh, throughout next week, I believe, we'll be doing the rest of the prospect countdown. So you, uh, the, the voting is available from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. each night. So and we have a list right now of 10 players to choose from each time. So you can't argue that we're you know missing out on people because well you still can't argue but <laughs> that, that there are not as many excuses for uh, a player not making it that you like. So uh, regardless though, uh, Hankins is another really inter- intriguing uh, starting pitcher, and you know he gets a little bit of flack because of some injuries, but those all happened before he was ever drafted. Like that's why his stock dropped and the Indians were able to draft him a little bit later, like outside the first round. But I think it was in like the competitive balance stage or or it might have even been with a uh, compensation pick uh, for I think it was actually the Carlos Santana that they got from the Phillies. Oh. <laughs> uh, but regardless, uh, he was a first round and pick in between the first and second rounds. And he, like Daniel Espino had the most exciting fastball out of all the high school pitchers that season. Um, But his stock dropped because he lost a little bit of velocity his senior season. He was dealing with some, uh, some soreness, Um, but they found out that it was not like any ligament type of thing. It was like more of a muscle thing. And um, Cleveland took a stab on him and he looked really good last year or in 2019. Um, he debuted in uh, Mahoning Valley that year, and he was sensational, like had some really, really good starts. I'll have to double check. I think he was a pitcher of the uh, month but or pitcher of the week a few times, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, he did. He earned a pitcher of the week in uh, June of that year, uh, 2019. He was a all-star for the New York Penn League. It looks like he put those... Uh, concerns about injuries behind him. He even earned a promotion to full season Lake County for uh, five starts. And then he got an invite to the taxi squad. So Espino is getting all the hype, but Hankins potentially is just as good. He's just one year old. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a year ahead of him as well in development. So, um, you know, I'm really excited for what Hankins can bring. Uh, the, the the main difference between Hankins and Espino 
um, other than, you know, not having any of the injury concerns was uh, Hankins did not get to perform as much as Espino did right after being drafted. Like usually when you have a top draft pick, uh, they like to sit out and then maybe they'll get a couple at bats right at the end of the season. Espino went right in like, and that's also, I think why he was able to get promoted to Mahoning Valley so quickly. Uh, so Hankins only got, you know, two games in his, uh, 2018 season with the Arizona rookie league, but he made up for it. I mean, he was so good in Mahoning Valley in 2019. You look at his numbers in 2019, he pitched, uh, he had an eight start, nine appearances in low a had a 1.4 ERA and he struck out 43 in uh, 38 innings, which good, not great. Um, and, uh, the, the only thing really is that he did get hit a little bit and he did have some walks. So that's something to, to keep an eye on with him. Um, so he's been a little bit more hittable, but uh, I mean, all the tools are there. I mean, this kid has even more life on his fastball than Espino. He just doesn't quite hit a hundred like Espino does. Like he can still hit the upper nineties though. And he has some really good uh, secondary pitches as well, but uh, it really comes down to that nasty, nasty fastball that he also has. So another one that is really excited, exciting in the minor league system and another player that got invited to that taxi squad and got to pitch against, you know, some really good uh, hitters and got to work with some really good pitchers. So got to see kind of what it takes to be a major leaguer, which is, I would guess in his position, about the most valuable experience and feedback you can get. This, If you've listened to any interviews with this kid, you know, he is a student of the game. So, you know, he's done interviews with fan graphs. Like, you know, he's he knows about, you know, pitch tunneling and all that stuff. Like, he is all in on that kind of stuff. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with the fact that he already had the tools of a really good prospect. And if he can add that extra part of the repetitions and uh, the deception and all that stuff, adding that to his game, it just makes him even more valuable. But he's definitely another young prep arm that, you know, we're kind of salivating about. He is. And it, I think is a great guy to wrap up the top 10. We have our masher in Nolan Jones at the top, who's really close. And then a younger flamethrower rounding it out at the bottom. So uh, I think, the rest of the guys in the countdown so far, we also wanted to talk about players who are very likely or more likely to impact the system this year that we would consider as prospects. And maybe, maybe with the exception of Joey Cantillo, I feel like all of the guys uh, that have been voted for like 10 or excuse me, 11 through 15 are, are guys that are close and might be able to help out soon. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I've kind of put together a little list of the players I think are going to impact uh, Cleveland this season. Obviously, Tristan McKenzie, you know, that's, you know, a given considering he was already in the rotation last year. Um, but definitely somebody to keep an eye on, Emmanuel Classe. He was the key return in the Corey Kluber trade. Um, 101 mile an hour cutter. Uh, missed all of last season after uh, testing positive for banned substance. And that's largely why he fell to 11th in the fan voting, I think. Exactly. Well, what's funny is that was his debut in the fan voting (laughs) and they immediately voted him. So he may have been higher. Uh, I did not add him until number 10. So, uh, so that, that maybe that's on me, but I just, I wasn't, I thought that he would drop further. So I maybe underestimated the excitement about him, but you know what? The fans had James Karinchak as like our number seven last year. And look what happened there. He got sixth in the rookie of the year voting. And it's not as if the Classe vote ended up being a blowout. Cause I think he only won by a handful over Daniel Johnson, who is coincidentally our number 12 prospect. Yeah. Uh, Classe is somebody to be really excited about. You know, it seems like uh, as long as he's drug free, he's still throwing a hundred miles an hour. Uh, I think that he's, going to have a very good chance to impact our bullpen this year and mm-hmm. not just be a guy that, you know, they call in every once in a while. I think he's got the potential to be a, an eight, nine uh, dynamic duo with Karen Jack in the back end of the pen. 
So you'll have Class A coming in, I would think. I'm not expecting this to happen right away, but I'm thinking Class A coming in in the eighth inning, mowing people down with 101 mile an hour gas, and then Karen Chat coming in and just humiliating people with a you know 97 mile an hour, 98 mile an hour fastball with that just fall off the table curveball that he throws. So I think that they're going to be making some hitters look really silly in 2021. And, you know, that's something to be really excited about because those are both guys that are going to be locked up for quite a while. So out of guys like Daniel Johnson, Bobby Bradley, Owen Miller, whom out of some of those other guys do you expect to see noise this year? I would think Bobby Bradley, you know, this is his chance. This is make or break for Bobby Bradley. You know, this is a guy that has absolutely mashed home runs in Indians minor league system and just has not been given that big chance. He got a very brief cup of coffee in 2018. He did hit a dinger. It was one of the longest home runs in Indian Statcast history. Uh, so that's something to be excited just about. just a bomb. Oh, yeah. He, he absolutely <laughs> blasted it. But he also struck out 40% of the time, which is something that people, you know, were concerned about. So you you still have to be worried about that. But he had all of 2019 to work on that a little bit. He did not get a chance with the club last year, but it's understandable because uh, Franmil Reyes was the DH the entire season and Carlos Santana was first base the entire season. Where was Bobby Bradley going to play if we had those two? And the last time we saw him, he was basically the same player he had always been, only more so. Yeah. And so it will be interesting to see what changes, if any, he's been able to make because he's like the dude in OOTP who's at 40 overall contact. And if he just gets it up to 45, he's going to be a great player. He just needs a little bit more consistent contact. I'm hoping that he adds a little bit more to the walk rate, drops the strikeout rate. And I think that it's going to be really nice because when this guy hits it, it goes a long way and it goes to all fields. Like he can just absolutely mash and it looks like he can hit lefties. You know, his last year, you know, that was a bit of a concern as he went through the system. His splits weren't amazing. And then in 2018, when he kind of had that huge season or in 2019, he hit lefties better than he hit righties. So I'm hoping that that's a sign of things to come because if he wants to be our first baseman of the future and he wants to play every day, you know, he needs to be able to hit lefties and, I think he can. So it's this is a make or break year for him, though, because I, I, I'm a big believer in Robbie Bradley. I think that he can be the first baseman of the future. It just depends if uh, he gets the chance. Right now, it's pretty much, unless they sign somebody, it's a battle between Bobby Bradley and Jake Bowers. And I don't know about you, but I'm a lot more excited about Bobby Bradley than Jake Bowers. So. Is I mean, is Jake Bowers, first of all, is he technically a prospect anymore? No, he lost his rookie status. I mean, he played a lot the year before we even traded for him at the minor at the major league level. And then he played and then he got a pretty extended look with Cleveland that year. And it, you know, other than one uh the cycle that he had, uh he had a pretty for the cycle, you know, didn't he? What yeah, the fuck? He did. He <laughs> How does somebody who can't hit anything just show up and hit for the cycle and then Apologies, all apologies to Jake Bauer's wonderful mother. How does he immediately go back to not being able to hit anything after that? It looked like he figured something out. It did, but it didn't happen. And they gave the opportunity to some other people. But uh, And then he did not get a look at all last year, even no. though he also can play outfield. And he still didn't get a look with how bad our outfield was. So I think that kind of speaks volumes. He can play outfield well enough for Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so, know if he can play it though. But at least with Bowers, you know, he'll if Bradley beats him out at first base, he still could have a chance to to do something. But so, but yeah, no, I definitely feel like Bobby Bradley is somebody that's going to get an extended look this year and I do too. And I'm being very hard on Jake Bowers right now, but it is mostly out of frustration that there are some very exciting things in his batting profile and 
the fact that he is still relatively young. So I am I am rooting for him, in fact. It is just that at the moment, my frustration with the situation is such that I cannot help but rag on him a little bit. And uh, Daniel Johnson's another one that definitely should be getting a look. Um, Please play him. Yeah, we really don't have any guaranteed set outfield position heading into 2020 at any position. Like maybe Josh Naylor and left, uh, you know, Luplo probably going to be, you know, platooning with somebody in right or left. Um, But, you know, we don't know for sure who's going to play center. We don't know for sure who's going to play right. We don't know for sure if we're going to have somebody platooning with some other people. So Daniel Johnson's going to get a chance and will he be able to make make the most of it? Uh, You know, he did not get to do much in that brief look last year. And again, you know, we kind of touched on that already, but um, so I definitely expect him to get a lot longer look this time. Um, other people I think are going to get a chance. Uh, several guys coming out of the bullpen. Um, I expect uh, Robert Broom to make his debut at some point this year. This Nick is a Sandlin perhaps too. Nick Sandlin, both side armors, but What's interesting is Broom is like an upper 80s side armor and uh, Sandlin is like a mid 90s, like three quarter arm or kind of Joe side armor. Like, right. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's he's really interesting. Like he can zing it in there from multiple arm angles and all kinds of stuff. Um, and then you've got Sam Hentkes, another one to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, this guy was a top 10 prospect just two years ago. Uh, did not have a great 2019 season, but then last year, you know, he may not have debuted with the Indians, but when he was pitching in uh, like the inner squad games, he was throwing a hundred miles an hour as a Southpaw coming in. So that to me screams another weapon out of the pen because we've got so many starting pitching. I really don't think Henkins will make it with Cleveland as a starter, but you got a lefty coming in throwing 100 miles an hour. He'll have six... plenty of opportunities to find a place to play. Yeah. And I think he, I heard he gained two inches in height. He's six eight now. Excuse me. So, yeah, 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 yeah. When so, did we grow a Randy Johnson? So we've got a six eight guy that throws 100 miles an hour. I think that he's absolutely going to get an opportunity this year. So we got that going for us. Um, and then other starters that are probably going to get a chance at some point, whether uh, you know, if Cal Quantrill falters or maybe McKenzie, you know, runs out of gas or something when we need some extra uh, guys to eat up some innings, we've got Scott Moss, somebody that came in the Trevor Bauer trade. I think he's going to absolutely get a chance. Um, from what I remember reading last year, it kind of came down to Scott Moss or Tristan McKenzie last year for who was going to make their debut in that spot start. And McKenzie ended up getting it and making the most of it, but it could have been Scott Moss. Yeah, really could have. Um, So he absolutely should be getting an opportunity this year. And Eli Morgan, somebody that, you know, we're not really, we haven't talked about for a little bit, but best changeup in the system. Uh, He got added to the 40 man roster so that to avoid uh, getting taken in the rule five draft. And I expect at some point he's going to debut with Cleveland this year. So there are a ton of, of guys that are going to probably be debuting with Cleveland at some point in 2020. And we're going to be here to let you know about it when it's about to happen. And then to tell you about it when it has, uh, it it's great to be back to be doing the podcast again. I hope that anyone listening can tell how excited we are about the prospects in the Indian system this year. I'm pumped. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, this season can't come soon enough for the minor leagues. I don't know about the major leagues, but 